we think in a community-oriented fashion, we think that a rising tide raises all the ships. Our model has always been about developer empowerment. We've always wanted to allow developers to use our platform, irrespective of whether they're going to pay us. The more developers can get familiar with more advanced technologies, more advanced approaches, it's just good for everyone, including their consumers. Welcome to Hacker Noon Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Lipinski. In this episode, I interview Jim Rose, He's the CEO of Circle CI, and in this episode, we discuss DevOps, continuous delivery and automation, as well as what it takes to automate your apps in the cloud. This is an amazing episode, so please stay tuned. This episode of Hacker Noon is sponsored by DigitalOcean. Join a community of over 3.5 million developers learning how to build and scale high-performance web apps on the simplest cloud platform. With a flat pay-as-you-go pricing structure and monthly caps across all global data centers, DigitalOcean makes it easy to get the computer resources you need without the billing surprises you get from other cloud providers. Discover why developers love DigitalOcean and get started with a free $50 credit at do.co slash hackernoon. Full stack developer Austin Pocus. We're using it to host a discourse site. So basically, they give us a machine and we run a dockerized instance of discourse on there. It's a few clicks and discourse is ready to rock. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Jim. Tell us a bit about who you are and what you're working on. Yeah. Uh, my name is Jim Rose. I'm the CEO of CircleCI. Uh, we are an automation platform for software developers and software development teams. So we help teams automate all of the standard processes that happen between the time a developer makes a change in code until that gets built and tested and validated and then ultimately released and in front of the customer. Awesome. And a little bit about your background. Uh, what have you worked on previous to this and uh, how did you get involved in the DevOps space and automation? Yeah, well, so I've been doing startups for over 20 years at this point. My first startup was back in the great Web 1.0 boom. Um, we, myself and a couple of others, um, patented the idea of being able to buy in groups and aggregate demand online um, and kind of rode the wave up and down through Web 1.0 and got to the, the other side of, of that whole journey. And for the last about 15 years have been doing a combination of different startups from ranging from con the consumer side around vacation rentals and search and user content and social commerce. And then ultimately the way I got into DevOps was the last startup that I did was specifically around building a social marketplace using Facebook and Twitter as as a kind of a social base um, and as the platform to build it on top of. The idea being, if you imagine old LinkedIn from, from years ago, when you would look at somebody's LinkedIn page, you would be able to see a little graph that would say, you are connected to this other person through these other people that you know inside of your social graph. We did that in e-commerce where you were connected to a potential seller based on other people that purchased from them or other interests that that seller might have. So the idea would be that you could build trust between buyers and sellers and that would help the marketplace. 
we were growing really, really fast on top of Facebook as a platform. And then Facebook at one point decided that everyone that was using the feed to help grow their businesses, that wasn't necessarily a great idea. And they basically kind of shut down people's access to free traffic coming out of the feed. So our growth engine really kind of went kaput, it sort of changed overnight. And so what we did is we took this business, which was called Copious, and we took it off of the social platforms and we pushed it and started to move it into mobile. So taking that same idea of this social connection and commerce and moving it into mobile applications. And so as we were building out our mobile apps, what we realized was all of the tooling in mobile was really immature. So what happened, we ended up having to build all of our own tooling to build and rebuild our applications. And you know, five, six years ago, making a mistake in mobile development was really expensive. So if you made a new version of your application, you would send it to Apple, and then you would wait four, eight, 10 days until they would review your application. And if you made one mistake, it would get rejected. Even if it was simple, something as simple as there was something wrong in your privacy policy or something like a misspelling in your terms of service, you would then have to reapply, fix it, and then reapply into the Apple App Store. So the turns were really, really slow. So testing was incredibly critical. And what we realized was that actually the testing tools that we built were probably the thing that had the most value. So mm -hmm. we started and pivoted our business to actually building and packaging these tools on behalf of other application developers. And so that business was ultimately called Distiller. And we started to hire up and get more and more customers and more and more application developers using our tools. And then they would get to a certain size and they would come back to us and say, well, we love your tool for building our mobile applications, but this thing talks to a Ruby backend or it talks to a Python backend or it talks to this JavaScript app that we use to run our website, why couldn't we just build all of it on one platform? And at that point, we were built on a very unique stack. CircleCI had already built all of that other testing infrastructure for every other language that wasn't mobile. And mm -hmm. so I kicked up a conversation with the founder over here at Circle about does it make sense to put the two pieces together? Because they were looking for the mobile piece and we were looking for everything else. And so we joined forces in 2014 and brought all of our mobile technology and integrated it into the Circle platform. And for the last four, four and a half years, we've been selling this combined solution where you can build anything that builds on Linux, as well as anything that builds in Mac OS, including Android and iOS apps, all on one common platform. And that kind of gets us to where we are today. Awesome. And yeah, and at the same time, you've, there's been a, you know, incredible innovation that's happened with Docker and container technology between that time and today. I mean, it, it's so rapid, uh, you know, what's been happening in the container and DevOps space. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the technologies that have come about that have kind of helped push things along? Yeah, well, to uh, the founder of CircleCI's credit, Paul and Alan, they were really early adopters of container technology. So they used a technology called LXC, which was the precursor to Docker. And they, they integrated that technology 
and used it back in 2011. So Circle has always been kind of at the forefront of thinking about what makes a great multi-tenant system where you can basically bring new workloads onto the platform in a secure and stable way and being able to scale the infrastructure up and down as we go. So the, the original platform was built on LXC that was honestly way ahead of its time in terms of really thinking through how they were adopting these advanced techniques. Docker comes around about four years later and really for the last three years, what we've been doing is starting to integrate a lot of these great, more advanced technologies into our platform. Um, so, you know, a big part of our platform is Docker native. We use Kubernetes both um, to schedule our own application as well as scheduling our customers' builds. We are a huge customer of all the latest technologies coming out of companies like HashiCorp, uh, Terraform, Nomad, and all of the, the things that are necessary to scale up and manage extremely large, and in our case, incredibly spiky cloud-native applications. Um, what we're seeing from a technology adoption perspective is that the technologies are changing in a much more rapid manner. They're, they're coming onto the scene faster and faster and faster. The cycles are getting shorter and shorter. So by the time as a developer, you actually get time to sit down and try and figure out, well, wh what is Kubernetes and why would I actually use it to manage my application? Well, every, everyone's all already onto serverless. And so what we've done inside of CircleCI and the way that we've tried to make it easier for developers is to say, we will help you manage the process and the orchestration. We'll help you create the skeleton that all of your development hangs off of and then as you're making different choices and new choices with the technologies that you want to develop with and use, you can plug that directly into our platform. Um, and we think that that's mm -hmm. the right model for quickly evolving teams and quickly evolving technologies. Uh, because from, from where we sit, we think that the cycles are only going to get faster and they're only going to get shorter. And so we want to make sure that every time you want to make a change in how you write software that you don't have to pull everything out and do a full rip and replace. It's much more evolutionary than that. This episode of Hacker Noon is sponsored by DigitalOcean. Join a community of over 3.5 million developers learning how to build and scale high-performance web apps on the simplest cloud platform. With a flat pay-as-you-go pricing structure and monthly caps across all global data centers, DigitalOcean makes it easy to get the computer resources you need without the billing surprises you get from other cloud providers. Discover why developers love DigitalOcean and get started with a free $50 credit at do.co slash hackernoon. Full stack developer Austin Pocus. We're using it to host a discourse site. So basically, they give us a machine and we run a Dockerized instance of discourse on there. Gets a few clicks and discourse is ready to rock. And you're working with some pretty big clients. You've got Facebook, Kickstarter, Spotify, GoPro. Uh, so you're you're already integrating and scaling with a lot of major players in the tech industry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we. We have customers of all shapes and sizes from small little one, two, three person startups that might be building a new commercial app or supporting an open source project all the way up to the Fortune 100. What we find that the, the glue that kind of holds them all together is that customers are trying to find ways to 
automate what we would call the undifferentiated heavy lifting. All of the steps and the repetitive things that have to happen between the time you make a change in your code, which is your special sauce, until that gets deployed out to the customer, you don't want to have to constantly rethink everything that happens between those two points. And you want to automate as much of that as humanly possible, whether you're a Facebook or you're a brand new project getting off of the ground. And so we focus there because we think that allows our customers to focus on the thing that makes them special, which is if you're Facebook, it could be an open source application or it could be a social network. If you're uh, you know, an autonomous vehicle company, it could be a self-driving car or it could be the, the, a great new social game. And that is where we want our customers to be able to shine and we'll help them manage all of the, all the infrastructure that happens in between so that they can, they can focus their energy. And so the big change that we've seen in the market over the last seven, eight years is that you know, if you went back 10, 15 years ago, all the best tech and all the best processes were typically at the biggest companies. That was the only way you could get access to the new great thing. Now, all of the great tech and all of the new interesting things are immediately available to any software developer, regardless of whether you're working at Facebook or you're, you know, you're sitting at home and working on your new great project. And so the, the whole cycle has now changed where now it's about helping teams of all sizes figure out how to embrace those new processes and those new technologies and do it in new and innovative ways. And you guys kind of have an interesting pricing model too, because you can actually use your solution with open source software. And you know, there's a, you kind of let people use it before they get to a point where they have to pay. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So our model has always been about developer empowerment. We've always wanted to allow developers to use our, to use our platform irrespective of whether they're going to pay us because we think in a, in a sort of very uh, community oriented fashion, we think that a rising tide raises all the ships. Like the more developers can get familiar with more advanced technologies, more advanced approaches, it's just good for everyone, including their consumers. And so we've always been freemium from the start where developers can come on, they can start using the CircleCI platform for free, and if you're building open source, it's always free. And as they figure out what it is that they want to build and they start to commercialize, well, once you start to commercialize and you start to write your software to make money, then ideally we're in a situation where you can start paying us as a platform. But until then, if you're building a side project, if you're just testing out new ideas, you're dedicating and donating your effort through open source to the community, we want to be able to support you in that in that endeavor and in that process. And so that's the way that we are constantly trying to give back into the developer community is just by creating this common platform for everyone to be able to build on. Awesome. And so you're at the edge of what's happening with automation right now. You know, you've got this DevOps orchestration platform. You're working with some of the major companies in the tech industry. I'd love to get your thoughts on you know, where we're at right now in 2019 with automation and where is automation going and where are these technologies going and what is the impact that that's going to have on society, on, you know, business, on culture? Uh, what, what philosophically is taking place right now? 
Well, it's an interesting moment, right? I mean, I think we are kind of right in the middle of what I would call intentional automation and sort of right at the precipice of, of unintentional automation coming through artificial intelligence, right? So on the intentional side, I think we're, we're at a point where people realize that most of the kind of repetitive tasks that anyone does in software development should be done in the system, right? If you think about the value of a developer's time and you think about what a developer costs for an employer in the Bay Area, it's close to $1.50 per minute for each minute of the developer's time. And you compare that to what it costs for a machine, it's in our case, your average machine, what we would call a medium, is six-tenths of a penny for that minute. There's no reason that a developer should have to do these repetitive tasks that honestly are fairly soul sucking for them on the job side. Um, and you should be able to move all of that into a framework that can handle it for you and into a platform that can take away all of those mundane tasks so that you can really focus on, on the things that are important to you and the things that honestly bring joy into your, into your work life, right? Like you want to focus on the things that you think really add value. So the, the companies that have adopted that, you know, it's worked from the startups to a lot of these very technically sophisticated expansion organizations, be it the Facebooks and Spotify's and others who are doing incredible things from a software development perspective. And now that practice is really starting to seep into enterprise, into kind of the big, you know, established names that all of us know. They're trying to adopt those practices so that they can become more agile and more effective in terms of developing software. I mean, I think all of that is goodness. You know, then you start thinking about, well, at what point does machine learning and AI start to replace some of those processes over time? And I think there's a lot of fear around that. And I think there should be a really, uh, there should be a really hearty debate about what that, what that role is um, and where the right boundary is between sort of very, predictable and sort of directed activities from a developer perspective versus sort of unintentional consequences of machine learning models. Um, so we work with a lot of different AI companies, helping them build and test and refine their existing AI models. Um, and I think there needs to be a broader societal debate just about how those get applied. Um, we, we certainly would love to be part of that debate and part of that discussion. But I think, you know, I think it touches every level of society. And I think people are waking up to the importance of it, um, which is great. Now I think you want to have that, that conversation out in the open so that everyone can sort of put in their two cents and then we can figure out kind of what the rules of the game have to be because the game is evolving incredibly quickly. There was this great story in the New York Times where somebody was talking about that they sat on top of a webcam that was, that was filming the Highline and they basically turned it into a facial recognition engine for $50. And their point was, how easy was this that we can now compare people walking past this camera with known public photos? That's, there's a lot of societal, uh, societal debate that needs to happen around those particular things that, that I think are now starting to draw to the fore. I literally just did an interview the other day with another guest who built a machine learning app and turned it into a mobile app where it can actually analyze your facial features 
and determine whether or not you're RH negative or RH positive. Um, so you can actually identify like certain genetic traits just from facial recognition. Like we're already there. That's already happening. Right. And right. It's like Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> and on the, on the one hand, there's incredibly good things that can be done with that technology. On the other hand, there's incredibly powerfully negative things that can be done with that technology. And I think it's, it's, we're all working towards a, a better, more powerful model. And now we just have to have a, a broader debate about what the right application of that is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's not all technology, that's sociology and psychology and politics and history and all the various pieces coming together. And I think that'll be, that, I think that will end up shaping the nature of the debate for the next 10 to 15 years. We're only really at the, the beginning of that conversation. And I really see DevOps and orchestration technology as kind of the backbone of what AI needs to actually achieve the kind of level of automation that we're, we're alluding to and talking about that's coming in the future here because that's the infrastructure that this is built on. Uh, you know, the fact that a bot or a machine learning data set can be thrown into a container, you know, orchestrated in the cloud, uh, you know, the capabilities for being able to do all of that is the, you know, without that AI is just kind of sitting in a box and can't really do anything. It's as a, its ability to access the network and to be able to integrate and get access to other things. And then also to be able to replicate itself, uh, launch and scale and do all those sorts of things. That's really where the DevOps side comes into play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is absolutely an intersection between how software has been written in the past and ultimately how software is training itself for the future. And that is a transition that we write, we're just on the leading edge of that, but it's, it's coming fast and furiously. And there's, there's so many great applications of AI, even in, in the world of DevOps of just trying to train the system to be more effective and make your life easier. Like a great example is when we look at software projects that build on Circle, the vast majority of code that, are, that compose that project are open source dependencies. And they're usually open source dependencies calling out to third-party services via an API. Um, one of the, the most frustrating things as a software developer is that when one of those libraries or one of those APIs changes or becomes non-responsive and your application blows up, but for a reason that you didn't initiate, those are incredibly difficult problems to debug because you don't know where to start. And one of the benefits we have at CircleCI using things like machine learning is that we can start to help folks find those common, those common sort of instabilities in their software. So, you know, as an open source contributor and as an open source owner, you know, I'm trying to do, do right by the community. I'm investing my time, usually for free, uh, to invest this and contribute this into the community. And you, you test your software, you try and ensure that everything is good, but in reality, your software is usually being used in so many different ways that you can't test for every edge case. Mm -hmm. And so we see it all the time where somebody makes their best effort, they run the tests, they make their changes, they update the version out on GitHub, and then next thing you know, everybody downstream who's consuming that, app, that, that library starts blowing up. And one of the powers of the network is to basically say, well, 
if there's 50 projects that in the past have been stable but are all blowing up at the same time, is there some correlation between those projects that might help debug what's happening inside? And more often than not, you can find there's an open source library that changed. There's an API that went flaky. And what we're trying to do is use and harness that information on behalf of our customers so that they can be more productive in their work. They can figure out, well, if that particular library is unstable, well, do I revert back to an earlier version? Do I change it? Do I actually use that software um, and those lines of code in my application or do they sit dormant? There's so many things that can be done to help developers be more efficient and effective um, using, basically using the power of the crowd. The, the model that we always talk about here internally is we think about it like Google Maps. You know, in the past, software development was everyone had their own map and everyone had to figure out where they were on the map and try and navigate their way from point A to point B. And now you have Google Maps, which can use not just can tell you where you are on the map, but it can use all of the power and all the ambient signal from everyone else to tell you like, don't get on 80 because there's an enormous traffic jam. So go and take a different bridge. Now we're seeing that same opportunity and that same power in software development where people are using all of these same components. People are basically building on the same map. So how can we use that in a way that, that makes it better for everyone, um, that makes your software development process more effective and more efficient. And we're really digging into that here because we see all of these really fundamental changes happening in the software development community and the software development process. And we want to, we want to help enable and empower developers to, to spend their time as wisely as possible. Awesome. And do you have any blockchain projects that are showing up on your periphery that are using CircleCI yet or not quite yet? We have projects of all sizes. So we, and, and of all different types of technology. So a big chunk of the crypto market actually um, uses and builds on Circle, uh, be it cryptocurrency or blockchain, a uh, very large chunk of the AI market and machine learning market also builds on Circle, but it, it really runs the gamut. Um, from you know a basic WordPress app all the way up to incredibly sophisticated machine learning models. Um, you know we've and we've tried to enable all of those. We've tried to say, well, you ultimately need the same process. Um, you need the same steps and orchestration. But whatever you're building is is your thing. You know that's what we want to make sure that you can do on our platform, and we will try and empower you to do that. Cool. And this is the Hacker Noon podcast, so I've got to ask, what is some time in your life that you've had to hack something? Well, as an entrepreneur for 20 plus years, I feel like my entire life is a hack at this point. <laughs> um, but one of the, well, actually one of my first jobs out of college was um, in the mid 90s was helping a manufacturer in mainland China, kind of post Tiananmen, try and figure out how to buy and sell their products in China. And at the time, China was a much, was much earlier in their development cycle. And so things were a little bit crazier. Uh, and at the, it, everything was, everything was black market and everything was gray market. And so as a consequence, if you wanted to be effective and efficient and good at selling products in China, you really had to understand 
what it costs, what it costs to get something made, what it costs to actually get something into the hands of the customer. And sometimes that would require really understanding, you know, if you sell your product through an official channel, but somebody's going through the back door and selling something through the black market channel, at the end of the day, the customer is going to pick the best product at the best price. And so when we did that project, we had to actually figure out, irrespective of where the product came from, how much would it cost to actually get into the hands of the customer? Um, and it taught me a lot about supply chains. It taught me a lot about pricing. Um, it taught me a lot about customer motivation very, very, very early on in my career. Um, and honestly, it's still the lessons that I use even today. So, you know, as so were you we were successful at this or were you able to pull it off? Yes. Well, <laughs> I, I would say that that was kind of the Han Solo part of my career uh, <laughs> was figuring out how things smuggled. Um, across <laughs> the broader APAC region. Um, the, uh, it, it, definitely, it definitely set an interesting foundation for the rest of my career. Um, it, you know, if you, the closer you are to the ground, uh, I think it, it sort of gives you a unique perspective as you think about, you know, how people make choices. And sometimes those choices can be a little, uh, can be a little interesting. <laughs> That's quite the hack. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, I mean, I, my only final thought is it's an exciting time. I mean, I think right now, you know, so Circle CI, we've been around for, we're coming up on almost eight years. And when the platform was created, you know, the notion of being able to automate and deliver software continuously was was almost heretical. There were only a handful of companies that were really doing it. The Googles, the Netflixes, the Etsy's of the world. And, and the world kind of looked at that and said, you know, that, that's crazy. There's no way that that is going to become the sort of standard way that we think about delivering value to customers. And over the last eight years, we've gone from it being an incredibly far out edge case that only startups in a handful of large technology companies were adopting as best practice. And now it's like, if you aren't doing continuous delivery or aren't trying to get to continuous delivery, you have to explain why. And that has been an incredible transition um, inside of our business. But I also just think from a customer perspective, it's an incredible time to be a customer. The amount of new and interesting things that as a user you have access to, as a developer, as a consumer, is incredible. And the pace of change is incredible. And sometimes it can be overwhelming. But I think that that is, we're just at the beginning of this, right? We're mm -hmm. only now kind of heading up the curve. And it's going to be exciting times for the next five, 10 years to see how the world continues to evolve, how we think about AI and machine learning, and ultimately how we consume these things as, as the end user is just going to get more and more interesting over the next several years. And so it's a, it's, an, it's a fascinating time to be in the market, and I think it's just going to get better. Absolutely. And where can people find you? So um, CircleCI.com is where the company lives and where the product lives. You can kind of come in and sign up for free and and start building your projects right there. Um, I, my Twitter handle is, is jim.rose, and so I'm, I'm available there. Same, same handle on GitHub as well. Uh, but yeah, like 
if you're interested in, in building software, please come on board. We're happy to, like I said, we, our model is freemium. We want to support everyone who is sort of scratching their most recent itch and they're trying to build their next great idea. You know, we want to be there and go on the journey with you. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This concludes another episode of the Hacker Noon Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Lipinski. Please don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube and follow us on social media. You can also find us at hackernoon.com and podcast.hackernoon.com for more episodes. Thank you for listening.